0: Being a GP partner can be a wonderful, rewarding and highly supportive working environment. But what do you do when things go wrong? On today's podcast, we are joined by Dr. Sieber, who is a mediator of disputes between GPs in a partnership. And she has some really great tips on what mediation is, how to avoid the conflict and what you can do to sort it out going forward. And Dr. Seba is also presenting on the Medics Money New to GP Partnership course, which is our course for new and established partners, whether they be GPs, pharmacists, advanced nurse practitioners, practice managers. And if you want to join the next cohort of our course, go to medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash GP course. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists, and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr. Ed Cantilow, a GP, but also a Chartered Accountant and Chartered Tax Advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. On today's podcast, we are joined by Dr. Claire Sieber. Hi, Claire. Hi, Tommy. So do you want to tell the Medics Money podcast listeners a bit about what you do and how you ended up doing what you're doing? Because you're not really following a conventional career path.
1: No, that's true. I'm not sure if anybody else has done this, but then, you know, we can all choose our own destiny in life. So I'm a GP, first and foremost, I work down in West Sussex and I locum. And I do sort of, I don't know, six sessions a week or so of that. And I've always been slightly interested in medical politics, probably since a registrar. And not long after qualifying and and relocating down to West Sussex, I started getting involved with the LMC and became a medical director at Surrey and Sussex LMCS. And of course, the LMC, as most of your listeners will know, the local medical committee, it has a big role in supporting and guiding and advising GPs and their practices. And a lot of that work that seemed to be coming my way was helping out practices who had some sort of conflict. And that's where I decided that actually I quite liked helping practices who were in conflict. It sounds a bit perverse in a way, but I enjoyed it. So I then went off and did a law degree and then got myself accredited as a mediator. And for the last couple of years now, I've also been working as a mediator specifically for disputes So by that, I just mean conflicts that GPs and practices get themselves into. And I do a little bit of teaching and training about conflict resolution as well. So that's me in a nutshell.
0: Wow. I mean, that is a really impressive career path that you've shaped yourself. I really admire people that do that and follow what presumably turned into your passions. Mm -hmm. And you're also coming. I'm glad you mentioned it because, you know, partnerships can get into disputes. It's not inevitable, but it does happen. And that's why we're really excited to have you teaching on the Medics Money New to GP Partnership course. I'm really looking forward to that. I think you're due to give birth before that happens. So exciting times. So for those that don't know, what does a mediator do?
1: Yeah, well, great question, because actually, there's a lot of misunderstanding out there about what mediation is and what a mediator does so in terms of what a mediation is it's got some principles to it that when you understand them then it sort of makes sense but people often confuse mediation with things like arbitration and all sorts of stuff like that but a mediation essentially is a completely voluntary thing that nobody can be forced into where everybody who's in a conflict volunteers to come together and try and have their conflict resolved with the help of a mediator. So a mediator will then come in who is completely independent and has never met the people before, never worked with them, anything like that, and comes in purely to help them to find their own solution to a problem. So a mediator won't be like a judge and making a decision or an arbitrator and making a decision that people are bound by, but they'll just help. And there's a lot of help that goes on and co. And coaxing even sometimes to get people to come to something that's mutually agreeable to them as well as it being voluntary it's also what we call there's no obligation to reach an agreement on the day so you can turn up and you can give it a go and if it's not going well you can walk away from the mediation at any point halfway through at the beginning at the end whatever with complete impunity so nobody is under pressure to sign something at the end of the day but normally what happens is that something does get signed at the end of the day and that document that gets signed is then basically legally binding and ends the whole conflict there and then on the same day and it's also without prejudice and that means that the whole thing that's happened on the day all of the conversations that have taken place all of the suggestions people might have had for how they resolve their conflict it's forgotten about regardless of whether it's successful or unsuccessful. So you couldn't go off the next day and sue somebody based on what they said in the mediation. For example, if they say sorry, you couldn't then sue them and say, well, they must be liable because they said sorry. Or equally, if somebody says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll pay for that bit if you're happy to do this. You couldn't then end the mediation the next day, go to your lawyer and say, we're going to sue them for that particular piece of money because they suggested that they could pay for that. So it's a protected, sort of safe, confidential space where you might as well just give things a go, knowing that you can't make things any worse for yourself legally and that you can just walk away at any time if it's not going well. So other than the time involved in participating in it and the cost of it, there's really nothing else
0: to lose from it yeah sounds like you know a great potentially a great solution and as you say nothing to lose basically which is always good so you know you've obviously mediated on loads of disputes and we're gonna get really into the details of this when you come on our course but for the benefit of our podcast listeners could you just give us a high level overview of the type of disputes that gp partnerships get into
1: Yes, of course. So by far the most common type of dispute conflict is the partnership dispute. So when the partners are in conflict between themselves about some sort of partnership matter, and most commonly that tends to be about the retirement of a partner. And by retirement, I just mean them leaving the practice as a partner. I don't mean them you know, retiring clinically because they've reached a certain age. I just mean them leaving the practice. So sometimes that's because somebody wants to leave and they can't leave or they can't Leave yet, or maybe somebody wants to stay, but everybody else wants them to leave, but there's no mechanism to make that person leave. Or maybe actually everybody's agreed that somebody is going to leave, but then there's a conflict about how they're going to be bought out, how much their share of the premises is, something like that. So that's by far the most common type of partnership dispute. Probably after that, I see disputes between partners about money, about premises issues, leases, property valuations. There's a little bit of NHS England and GMC level stuff that gets thrown in that can make partnerships difficult. And also a bit of divorce, even a bit of crime, some adultery, you know, I've seen it all in terms of disputes within a partnership. But then GP... Partnerships can also get into other types of disputes. So, PCN disputes are a bit of a thing at the moment. And sometimes all of the practices in the PCN don't see eye to eye. And sometimes that can result in a practice wanting to leave the PCN or maybe a practice wanting to join another PCN, and then that causes a dispute that, of course, still affects a GP partnership because they're part of the PCN. Sometimes a PCN dispute will be about money and how that's been the earnings from whatever bit of the PCN DES are split up, or maybe about the resources that come down through the PCN DES, through the ARRS, are divided between practices. And then the other type of dispute that partnerships will be involved in is because of course they're also employers so they will get into some disputes with their employees particularly salary gps sometimes about the contract Commonly about what happens when there's some parental leave or pay issue, or there might be a dispute between two employees in the practice, which then, of course, still affects the partnership because the partnership are the employers and they need to sort out this mess that's gone on between their two employees. So there's all sorts of types of disputes that partnerships can get involved in.
0: Yeah, a scary array of things that can go wrong there. Don't panic, GP partners. It doesn't happen that often. Certainly not in my experience. Claire's experience might be different. So imagine you've got one of your GP partner and you've got one of these problems that you just mentioned. How does it work? What's the process? What do they do? Phone you up? And then where do we go from there?
1: Yeah, so my first suggestion would be not to phone me up first, to have a go at sorting it out yourself, probably with the help of the local medical committee. Of course, you pay your levy to the LMC already, so they will be able to offer you some sort of support and advice. And it does vary a little bit depending on which LMC area you're in. Some LMCs even offer a sort of full mediation service. Others might just come in and support each individual or party in the disputes with some you know ad- advice and uh, pragmatic support but the minimum that i've seen lnc's do will be to go in and support the practice as a whole and just give a bit of pragmatic advice and say maybe this is where you need to look to maybe these are some solutions to help you because they've seen it all happen before and they know what the solutions that work will be they know how the ccg work and what the ccg will let you get away with and not get away with so i definitely recommend getting some support from the LMC and you can never really get that too early, to be honest. If you have a dispute between your employees or a dispute that you're in with your employee yourself, then that's obviously something that you can't really get involved in yourself because you're conflicted one way or the other either because you're in it or you're the employer so that's something that you should do a sort of barge poll and get some HR specialist to help you out with and if you've tried yourself to resolve a dispute and you haven't got anywhere and it's one that safely you could try and resolve yourself then coming to a mediator and having a chat would be a next sensible step and I'm happy to provide sort of free no obligation confidential friendly chats just to see where people are at and give them some advice about how they can try and resolve
0: their issues yeah no that's that's really kind so you've done the lmc they couldn't help or you couldn't resolve it then it gets to the point where you become involved what happens next do you all sit down in a room and flash it out or what's what happens next
1: yeah so the first thing i do is make sure that everybody is comfortable with a mediation and with me as the mediator because of course it has to be completely voluntary and then I'll have sort of individual conversations with everybody who's involved in the dispute generally with a team's call rather than a face-to-face thing because we're all so busy and I'll do a lot of work then exploring the background to the issues and of course a conflict is so much more than just the issues that you see on the surface actually people can see millions of miles apart when you look at the conflict on the surface They might be arguing about money and be hundreds of thousands of pounds apart, for example. But when you start to dig down and find out all of the background about the conflict and what's happened and how long they've been working together, you find all sorts of things that actually bring the people a lot close together and you probably find some common ground as well that you can start building a solution on. So I'll do all of that work in advance. I then get everybody to sign a mediation agreement, which basically is a, just a little legal document that makes sure that everybody knows it's confidential and without prejudice and they can't sue each other for what happens in it. And I sign that as well. So we're all confident when we then go into to the actual mediation itself that everybody's going to behave and abide by those principles. And then generally we set aside a whole day or a half day, if that's all the GPs can manage, to do the mediation itself. I basically act as a, a middleman, if you like, and I'm taking messages backwards and forwards and offers and solutions backwards and forwards between all of the different people involved doing a lot of the legwork and slowly hashing out some sort of solution which I then draft up at the end of the session and everybody signs it.
0: Yeah okay and do you have any kind of stats on you know your success rate or you know what's the chance of mediation fixing this?
1: Yeah so I think overall mediation as a whole is over 90% effective in terms of getting a settlement agreement at the end of it but actually there's many more markers to show that it's effective rather than just getting a settlement agreement because you want a settlement agreement to actually resolve the whole issue completely and be something that's workable and something that the ccg will agree on so some mediators might have actually got an agreement but actually it's a bit of a chocolate teapot but nonetheless i would say well over 90 percent of mine settle either on the day or soon thereafter or at a further mediation session that people then have. Because even if it hasn't worked on the face of it and you haven't got an agreement signed, it will still have got people thinking, it'll have got them closer together, it'll have got them tantalisingly close to sorting out a major problem that otherwise would have probably carried on for months and months. And sometimes people just need a few more days afterwards to think about it, maybe speak to their solicitors again, and then they come back together and finish it off themselves.
0: Amazing stats, really great stats. Do you mind, I mean, full transparency on money. can I ask you how much it costs, like ballpark figures? Is it expensive? Of
1: course. It depends on who you go to, probably. My fees are all available on my website. But if you're looking for what's called a workplace mediation, which has not got any commercial things to it, so nobody's leaving, nobody's retiring, nobody needs to pay somebody any money, you're just agreeing a better way of working together, then that's something that if one of your partners is a BMA member, you can actually get through the BMA for free. So that's a completely free option to go down. But if you're looking for a commercial thing where people are leaving or giving each other money, then you have to pay for it. And I'd say for a average size partnership or PCN, it's about £3,000 if you go through me.
0: Yeah, but we're not guaranteed, but 90% ballpark success rate. It's Yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah, correct. Of course, that's shared between all of the parties. So let's say there are five partners, that's £600 each which of course is a tax deductible expense, and it's a lot cheaper than the alternative if you were to go down that route, which would be to sue somebody in court and of course a lot quicker as well.
0: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, uh, definitely to try to avoid that. So how do I find a mediator? Is there like a national register or, or how does it work?
1: Yeah, great question. So the profession of mediation is completely utterly unregulated. So you, Tommy, could, say, set up your own mediation business tomorrow and say you're a mediator.
0: Scary. (laughs) As I said before we came on, I really hate conflict of any kind, so I don't think I'd be a good mediator. (laughs) and I'm I'm not starting a mediator career.
1: No, but the best ones, to be honest, you'll know about through word of mouth. So your LMC will know some, the BMA will know some. If you've got any sort of legal advice, which most people in a dispute will have got a little bit of, even if it's just a small amount of initial legal advice to sort of know your position and where you might stand and what you might be entitled to, they will also be able to send you on to mediators. It's best to have one with some industry expertise, I think, so that when you get an agreement at the end of the mediation, it's not a chocolate teapot. Like, for example, the mediator hasn't mediated a dispute where you've decided to split your GM less contracting too, because we know that that's not possible anymore since 2004. So that would be a waste of time. Some mediators will be, although you don't have to be registered, accredited with anyone, some are registered with the Civil Mediation Council, and you should at least be able to get there mediation training from them and what's called a mediation cv where they'll give you a list of all the different types of cases that they've mediated and an idea of what their settlement rate is
0: yeah great great advice and obviously people might like what you're saying and need your services so how's the best way to contact you
1: yeah so well i have a website it's generalpracticemediation.co.uk i think it does what it says on the tin. You can find me on social media, LinkedIn, just by Googling me, Claire Sieber. It's quite an unusual name. So if you try and work out how my nhs.net email address would be, you'll probably be able to find it. Your LMC will probably know about me. So if you really forget everything about me, except that I was called Claire, you can probably ask your LMC and they will be able to signpost you to me as well.
0: I'll pop your link in the description the show notes below as well so that anybody can contact you. Brilliant. That was a great summary. I'm really looking forward to having you on the Medics Money Partnership course to go into more detail. I've seen the slides and it's really good practical advice on how to avoid needing you in the first place, but then also, you know, how how to utilize you. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm really excited for your pregnancy. And next time I see you, we'll be on the course and uh, hopefully you'll have a sleeping baby in the background
1: and hopefully it'll
0: be a bit slimmer <laughs> but i think that's the advantage we were talking about this uh, before we came on air you know our course is completely virtual and it is a great advantage to it because lots of people have their children you know around during the course including myself so yeah i'm really excited i hope that everything goes well and i can't wait to catch up with you in september thank you
1: toby thanks for
0: having me thanks so much